Hey everybody, it's Audrey Ellis and you're listening to Ask Audrey. Okay, so, I don't know, I hate doing things that feel so rigid. I was trying to do the, um, what's it called, the mental health series and things like that and I was having fun with anxiety, I really was, because anxiety is something that touches so close to home and it's something that is, has been so real in my life and Oh, I miss the days when I forgot that I had anxiety. I had years where the anxiety was just so dormant. That's a good way to, to describe it. It was so dormant within me that I forgot I even had an anxiety disorder. And I thought that I was cured. I was like, oh, it's gone. It'll never come back. Psych! It comes back. Okay? Like a big bang. Like just boom. You're all just out of nowhere. You just you don't even know what what caused it, what triggered it, but something comes. And I don't mean to say that to seem negative, but it just you know it can come back. For those of us who never experienced it again or who haven't experienced it in a while, don't listen to me in this negativity because it may not come back for you. Like there is a where there's a will, there's a way, and anything is possible. That's one of my favorite things to say. Anything is possible. So if you've had it once and you haven't had it in years or months or weeks or whatever since the first time you had it, it's possible you'll never have it again. I don't know. I'm just talking about me and what people say. Don't listen to what people say. What do they know? They don't know nothing. Anyway, I'm rambling on because I was just thinking I'm getting ready to go into depression and I was starting it off, but I don't know why. I think it's like a, a sensitive subject for me. So I think I need to back out of that for a second. It's my prerogative to do what I want to do. And I'm going to retract and regress in a good way and go back into just discussing you know, topics that relate because I don't know, the moment I decided I was going to talk about depression, I started to feel like things that were reminiscent of, like the remnants of depression. And I remember oftentimes when you go to therapy, you learn that when you're just coming out of something or when you have just gone through something mentally or, emo or emotionally, you don't want to watch TV, listen to music or do anything that will remind you of it because if you remind yourself of it, then Oftentimes you feed that same like mentality, that same spirit, that same behavior, and you know, it's like inviting it to come back. So I don't mean to back out. I think depression is very important to discuss and to talk about, but I feel like right now it's too raw because this is like the first year that I felt like I'm doing better. And literally like last year I was not doing so great. Like even November and December, I was not doing so great depression wise, but this year it felt like finally the veil is lifted and so I just don't want to go back, not just yet. Anxiety is easy to talk about because I've learned a lot about managing it because I've, I've dealt with that one longer. I haven't had depression as long or I haven't been depressed as long as I've had anxiety. So I've learned so many tricks over the years that it's become second nature. So when I have panic attacks, I'm not just, you know, thrown off or left without any recourse. I have things that I can do and things that I know how to do to help myself out. So if y'all don't mind, I can stick to anxiety because there's so many stories. And I think I want to do, I think I just want to tell some stories about how anxiety has affected my life. Some of the stories, if I can think of the good ones, like that are kind of funny, then that would be fun to tell. Right now I can't think of any funny ones. Um, one of the stories that I have about anxiety is actually fun for me to share because it was really amazing 
So as you guys know, I'm a very spiritual person, spiritual. I speak really quickly, so sometimes words just like blend together like they're, they don't have as many syllables as they're supposed to, but they do. Anyway, I am a very spiritual person. I have been that way since I was a child. I remember, vividly remember speaking to God, even as a toddler, when my mother would spank me and make me mad. I remember talking to him and I'd tell him, I want to spank her back. And he would tell me that that wasn't right. And so he was like, you can't do that. And it's pretty much like in my spirit, I felt like he was saying, you have to just, you know, like forgive her for myself. Like forgive her. You have to be okay and just give him peace about that. But I remember being so angry that, you know, I just remember talking to him. And my mama used to say that me and my sisters, when we were toddlers, we used to sit in corners and just talk. And she would say, who are you talking to? And of course, we're babies, so we couldn't really articulate ourselves. And so she just thought it was an imaginary friend. But for me, when I think back on my memories, I remember it being God. Just That's just the way I see it. That's the way I remember it. Anyway, so when I was 17 years old, I got I wrote an essay that won me a trip to New York. And I had never been on a plane before. I'd never been out of the state before. Oh, no, I had been, I had been out of the state, but we drove to Vegas. That's like easy. It's like not even leaving California, it feels like. So I had never been on a plane. I'd never been out of the state. And I really wanted to go. Like, I found out about this trip when I was in high school. As soon as I got to the ninth grade, I found out about the possibility that, that when you get to 11th grade, you can go on a trip to New York to visit different colleges. And I knew when I heard about it, I was like, we have to go. We got it. I want to go there. I want to be a part of that trip. And only a select few students were going to be elected to go. And they had to write essays. So as y'all know, I'm a communications major. So writing and communicating, that's something I do. And I thought... I'm going to write this like amazing, dope-ass essay. I'm about to get on this plane. I'm going to New York. So I wrote an essay, and I won the, or long story short, I won the trip to New York. So after winning it, I'm all excited and proud. Like, oh, my goodness, I did it. I, you know, I had faith. I believed in myself, and it worked out. This is great. Then the reality hit me that I was going to have to get on a plane. And the airline we were flying was the same airline that was associated or affiliated with 9-11. So realizing all that stuff just scared the shit out of me. And I know I probably haven't, I don't think I've cursed so much in other episodes, but I just kind of want to relax because like I said, being spiritual doesn't mean rigid or doesn't mean like, you know, you can't do stuff. Like I just want to be myself. I curse about that. I'm like, I'm not the one sailor. Anyway, so the reality hit me that I had to get on the plane. Bang. I hate when noises pop up like that because when you're anxious, it just scares the crap out of you. I don't know if y'all could hear that, but I heard it. Anyway, back to my story, back to my regularly scheduled program. Um, so when I realized that I had to get on an airplane and what that actually meant, even though plane crashes are not that common, so the anxiety and the fear of the possibility of having a plane crash is really crazy, especially since I get in cars and drive and ride around every single day and I never have that kind of fear, even though car accidents are supposed to be more common. And I really hope this doesn't make somebody feel anxious. I'm sorry if it does, but you'll be all right. Like, we'll all be all right. Driving is cool. Anyway, even though the fear is not really warranted or not really like rational statistics wise, I still could not help but have this panic about getting on a plane. And so I kept it within, like I kept it inside. I didn't want to tell anybody that I was having this panic attack because my mother and my dad, they were so against me going on this trip because they had their own panics. Mental health usually runs in families and it does. They had their own paranoias and panics about me going on this trip and getting on a plane without them and without family. I only had chauffeur, chauffeurs. <laughs> Whew, okay, I meant to say chaperones. Let's try that again. 
I only had chaperones to go with me and they were chaperones that my family had met maybe a few months prior as a part of this mentorship program so they didn't really know them and my parents don't trust nobody so my mother tried to block it she tried to stop it from happening she tried to keep all the messages about this trip from coming through my dad he tried to stay calm and tried to be positive but he sent his messages of paranoia through the alleged words of others that he talked to he would say oh yeah your, your, your uncle he uh, he said that he doesn't know about this trip and i'm like i know it's you dad i know you're the one who feels this way but anyway all that stuff didn't work won the trip and I'm on my way and I kept the anxiety inside I didn't want to tell them because they would say yeah go with it just stay home don't go and I, I just I'm not that kind of person like even if I feel fear I still want to do it because I feel like anything that you could possibly regret in the future you should do in that moment if you feel like at one point in time in your life you might look back on a moment and regret not doing something then you got to do it no matter what the fear is you got to like push past the fear and that's how I've always tried to be that's what I've always tried to do but the problem is I should not have had to keep the fear inside. I should have been able to talk to someone about it so that I could have worked through it sooner rather than later. So we went to the hair salon so I can get my hair done. I want to get some cornrows so I can have my hair pretty much like mess free, like just no, no must, no fuss while I was in New York because I wanted to just be able to get up and go. So while I was getting my cornrows, I was feeling this pain in my stomach and I was just feeling so uncomfortable. Like... I don't know if you've ever seen Steel Magnolias, but there's a scene in the movie with Julia Roberts' character is sitting in the chair and they're doing her hair and then her shoulders get really high and really tight and she's banging on the chair like she can't breathe because she's her insulin levels are dropping. She could go into shock because she's diabetic. Well, for me, the anxiety attack that I had kind of mirrored that a little bit. My shoulders got really high and my stomach was hurting and I just felt really sick. But even then, I'm like, mask the pain. Don't tell anybody that you're in pain. Don't tell anybody that something's wrong. Because this was like a day before the flight, like the night before the flight, which was at 5 a.m. And so when we get home from the hair salon, we go to this restaurant, some fast food restaurant, grab some food. And then when I eat the food, the stomach pain gets worse. And so like I'm like curled over on the bed, not even all the way on the bed, like the top part of my body from my head to my waist is on the bed and my knees and my legs are down on the floor. And I'm just clutching my side just in pain. And all of a sudden I just couldn't hide it anymore. So my mom was like, what's wrong with you, girl? Are you all right? And I was just crying. I was like, I'm in pain. I don't know what's wrong. So we had an uncle, my mom's baby brother, who lived around the corner. So she called him instead of calling 911 because we are not about to pay no ambulance fee. That's not really right. We probably should have called 911. But, you know, it's another room. You don't have a lot of money. Anyway, called him on the phone. And, then, you know, I think he had dropped us off from the hair salon. So he, that's why he was close by. So when she called him, it was because he was close. So let me not try to make it seem like it was some kind of, you know, uh, neg neglect or negligence or whatever so called him back and say turn around you need to go to the hospital Adrian's not feeling well and that was a hospital really close by so he comes and gets us and he's standing there like he looks at me and he's a part of the reason why I'm very spiritual because I watched him growing up he's a part of the reason why I do a lot of the things that I do he's a part of the reason why I connect to people so well because he did it and I wanted to be like him with the ability to just walk into a room and kind of make people just feel good anyway so he came back and he was looking at me and studying me and he was like i know he didn't want to say it but he thought he could see something else was wrong and it wasn't really physical it was something else so we go to the hospital the doctor in the er examines me and does every diagnostic test you can think of and they're like i don't know what's wrong with you girl like <laughs> they say it like that but pretty much it's like i don't know what to tell you you are totally healthy and you are totally fine um do you want us to do anything else and you know how like, when you get to the hospital 
for those of us who've gone to the hospital because of an anxiety attack, you know, when you get there, all of a sudden you feel better. It's like something about the comfort of being in a hospital makes you feel safe from death. Like I can't die here because it's a hospital. That's, I guess, what happened to me because I started to feel better when I got there. And so after we walked out, I was able to stand up straight and I wasn't in pain anymore. And I'm all feeling like just feeling pretty good. And I kind of felt embarrassed too, because I'm like, how did, how did I didn't understand at 17 that it was literally a panic attack that could make my whole body feel so terrible. And then all of a sudden when I get to the hospital and hear that I'm fine, then all of a sudden I feel fine. I didn't understand that it was all like mental. It was all, you know, in my head. I didn't know that. So when I walked out, I felt so embarrassed that I walked behind my uncle and my mom. My mom was kind of mad <laughs> because it was like a waste of time in her mind. But my uncle, he walked behind me and he was like, my nickname is Bebe. So he called, walked behind me and he was like, Bebe, um, you believe in God, don't you? I know you believe in God. I take you to church every Sunday. And I was like, yeah, I do. He said, you know, God loves you, right? I said, yeah, I know that. He said, so you're getting ready to go on this trip to New York. You're getting ready to fly out tomorrow. Is that right? I said, yeah. He said, I think this is all related to that flight. I think you're scared to fly. And then my sister said, yeah, she is. She doesn't want to say it, but she's scared of getting on a plane. And he said, why are you scared, baby? And I said, because it's the same people who flew in with 9-11 and we're going to New York on top of that. And it's a flight. I've never been on a plane. And he said, I've been on a plane a bunch of times. I always come back, don't I? And I was like, yeah, you all, you do. He said, I, you never see me get scared when I get on a plane, do you? I said, no, I never see you get scared. You always, you seem fine. And he's like, getting a little emotional. Anyway, so he's like, um, he's like, so what, what, what makes you scared? If you believe in God, then what reason do you have to be scared? You know, he's going to take care of you, right? And I was like, yeah, I know that. And he said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I was like, I know. He said, you got to believe that. You got to know that. You got to trust that. You get on a plane knowing that he's got you. He's going to take care of you no matter what it means. And I was like, okay. All right. And I was like, I know. So he gave me a hug and he gave me a kiss. And he was like, yeah, you just got to calm down. You're going to be all right. I'm already praying for you. Angels are with you. You're good. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, baby. And I was like, okay, I won't. I won't worry no more. He said, you promise? I was like, I promise. I won't worry. So that night I went home. And I decided to talk to God, like I usually do when I get anxious. And I was laying in bed and I was like, okay, God, between me and you, if there is anything, like one little tiny thing wrong with that plane, like a, like a bolt or a screw's loose or an engine's gonna go down in the air or something, if anything is wrong with that plane, anything, then I need you to make sure that the, pl the plane never leaves the ground. I need you to make sure that we don't get on that plane that something will stop something miraculous something i don't know whatever it is you have to do something will keep us from going into the air if that plane is not safe and if we will not have a safe journey to new york and from new york so after i said that prayer i decided okay you know what now i just gotta let it go you know the old saying let go and let god i have to let it go so went to sleep and the next morning at like three o'clock in the morning, we had to get up and start getting ready so we can head to the airline, which was right up the street from us, head to the um, airport, which was right up the street, like 15 minutes away, so close. And it was early in the morning, which like nobody gets on late, I mean, early flights like that. So my dad gets us ready. We all pack up everything in the car and we get ready to go and we're driving down the street and I'm feeling a little bit better, like majority, like if it was on a scale of one to 10, I was at about a, a seven or eight. I was feeling that much better. The other day I was like a negative five, but um, I was feeling a little bit better and I was feeling a little calmer and I decided to switch my frame of mind and start to do the self-talk and start to tell myself good things. I'm so excited. I can't wait to get to New York. I can't wait till we go to Junior's 
cafes where you get the cheesecake that Diddy was always talking about. I can't wait till we see the Empire State Building. I'm just telling myself all these positive things instead of thinking about the negative possibilities that the anxious mind will feed you. So I guess there's a point where I'm like amped. I'm pumped. And I forgot all about the prayer that I said in the conversation with God the night before. I'm just like, well, let's do this. I'm ready. I'm seeing my friends. We're getting this plane together. We all got the trip. This is great. Get to the airline. I mean, get to the airport. We all check in. We get our bags checked and all kind of stuff like that. And we're sitting there. It's 5 a.m. And we're sitting there. And so our flight is supposed to take off at around like 6.30 or 7. And 6.30 comes and then they come to us and they tell us uh, the flight isn't boarding just yet. There's a couple of issues. So then, of course, I get nervous. I'm like, what kind of issues? They And I just came back to, I remembered the prayer then at that point. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm back. Okay, this is a situation that I was afraid of. They're having some issues. I don't know what's going on. They're not telling us what the issues are, but... I'm scared. So I'm just saying that I'm reiterating that I'm believing that you will not let me get on this plane if there's even one little thing wrong, like one little thing wrong. I'm, I'm believing that. So we sit there and we wait and 10 a.m. rolls around and I don't know how it happened. We were like laying on our, on our blankets and laying on our jackets and stuff like that. 10 a.m. rolls around and the airline brings down McDonald's for all of us to eat and tells us this is some breakfast on y'all like all of our mentors had gone upstairs and gone to the the to the what do they call people the the ticket agents and stuff like that asking them what is going on like we were supposed to take off you know three hours ago what's going on i don't get what, what happened and so the ticket agents are you know kind of trying to get the information from the flight crew and this and they're trying to see what's going on but they really didn't know what was going on so i'm like i'm not going to think about it i'm just going to talk to my friends i'm going to have fun because i talked to god twice and i'm just gotta i gotta trust him now i gotta like let it go i talked to him the night before i talked to him just now because this is new information so i have to have another conversation with the new information so i decided okay let's eat this mcdonald's and let's just laugh and crack jokes and have fun and that's what we did we were just laughing and cracking jokes and having fun and around 11 a.m the someone came like a representative of the airlines came to us or came to the mentors. My dad was sitting there the whole time. He never left. So he was just talking and trying to make sure I wasn't nervous because he knew I would, you know, about what happened the night before. And so when my mentor came back, when our mentor came back and told us, they said that this situation has never happened before, but the entire flight crew did not show up for work that morning for our flight. The entire crew. Not the pilot, not the stewardesses, or the stewards, not anyone. No one showed up to work that morning and our flight is officially canceled. And I remember thinking to myself, oh Lord, the flight is canceled. That means that this flight must not have been safe. Or there must have been like one little thing, even if it was a safe flight and we would have gotten there on time, which I'm sure we probably would have now that I'm older, I realized we probably would have gotten there fine, but there might've been something during the flight that would have scared the crap out of me so badly that it might've traumatized me and sent me backwards made me regress into you know deep anxiety so they didn't show up and we could not take off and they had to reschedule our flight and so we actually had to reschedule the entire trip to go a month later so when we got home from the airport and my dad and my mom were like how do you feel like what's you know you got to wait a whole month are you can you wait a whole month and it was like three weeks really but can you wait a whole month and I'm like I guess you know we, we have no choice and so I remember just sitting there and my dad kept asking me what's wrong like, wh why are you staring off in his face like that and I was like nothing and I didn't want to say to him because you know how when you're young you think like that there's such thing as jinxes and stuff like that so I didn't want to say it because it felt like it was my prayer coming to fruition that God was showing me I'm taking care of you you said if there's one little thing wrong 
not to let you get on that flight. And the crew didn't show up because I couldn't let you get on that flight. So that gave me the faith and the courage to believe that when we do get on this flight, if we get to step on this plane, then we're going to be all right. So a couple of weeks later, the flight you know, was rescheduled and we went to the airlines and we sat there and waited. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm believing that if, again, if something's wrong, we ain't going to get on this plane. But they boarded us. They made their boarding call, and we all got on the plane, and we sat down, and I said, all right, I'm on the plane, so that must mean everything is all right. So I just asked for a window seat because I wanted to sit and look out of the window and not let any fear pretty much take hold of me. Now, I can't lie and say that I wasn't a little nervous because when you're anxious, it's hard to just really keep it at bay, but it was easier knowing what happened with the first flight. It was easier for me to check the emotions and the feelings that I was having because I was like, okay, this is like a crumb that the last situation with the flight crew not showing up and it had never happened before in the history of the airline or even at the history of that airport, they said, nothing, something like that has never happened before. That's a really big gesture right there. So I thought to myself, we're gonna be all right. So we had our flight, this time it was at night. So it wasn't gonna be like a, the sun's out, I could see everything. It was a nighttime flight where I couldn't see out the window. I couldn't get scared and it was a five hour flight and it was so much fun. And then we get off the plane and we land in New York and I'm like, we're here, we did it. and. It helped to, to make me feel calm to know, you know, that it just felt like God took care of me. It felt like, you know, he looked out for me and he, you know, had me the whole time, even with my anxiety and my fears. He helped to keep that at bay and helped to show me that there's really nothing to fear. And so ever since then, I've been what my uncle's called jet setting because I fly every chance I get. I go anywhere I can on a plane, the longest flights I can afford. I go to the furthest end of the country that I can afford on flights. And I love taking flights now because of that situation with that, that moment with me and God. And I told that story because anxiety can be crippling and it can be paralyzing and it can be debilitating in every form. It can really make you just, just feel out of control and so overwhelmed. But as I've said in episodes beforehand, having a spiritual base can do wonders for helping you to kind of calm and tame the anxiety. Now, we're still human, so I can't say that having a spiritual base makes it go away. Some people who might be more on the religious side might say that it can. Like, oh, if you're religious, then you can just speak away the anxiety. That's fine if you believe that. There's no disrespect and no judgment coming from me if you believe that. That is totally fine. I feel like there are instances where certain things can be prayed away. Miracles can happen. And God can lift things off of you that don't serve you or serve him in your life. So I believe that. But if you don't see that happening, then having that spiritual base can help you. And just having that connection with God or whoever your higher power is can help you to manage and help you get through and help you to just live better. You know, when you don't have that spiritual foundation. I wish I can find my textbooks because, like I said, I learned it when I took the Nutrition and Aging in college and when I took um, Psychology and Aging. And both of those books mentioned how when they spoke to older people who were like 80 and 90 years old and they did pretty much like um, an analysis of their lives and, you know, they interviewed them and they just, what's the word I'm looking for? They did a, a couple of different like um, study groups, focus groups on them and asked each of them questions about mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, and things like that. And they noticed that the people with the best coping skills were the people who had a spiritual or religious base. 
a religious foundation in life. There's actually a connection to being able to cope better with life when you have a spiritual or religious foundation in your life, whether you're Catholic or Christian or Muslim or Jewish, whatever your spiritual or religious base is can help. And if you don't have a spiritual or religious base, if you're going through mental health struggles, it's a good idea to get one because in the story I just told you about my issue with my battle with anxiety for the for my first time flying, it was severe. It was serious. Like it had me in physical pain. But that conversation with God and then that event that took place right after, my faith let me know that that was him showing me that he is taking care of me and feeling like you are safe and you are covered and you're protected definitely helps, especially when it comes to mental health. So that's why I wanted to share that story because, you know, sometimes people say certain things, but they don't have any stories or any experiences of their own to kind of back it up. It's kind of like when your parents tell you, don't have sex before marriage. But then if you ask them, when did you have sex for the first time, mommy? They'll say, when I was 14 or when I was 16. When did you have sex for the first time, daddy? When I was like 13, 15. And it's like, how do you say to do something that you've never done yourself? You gotta like, you gotta walk it like you talk it, right? <laughs> so anyway, I hope you enjoyed that story. And if you didn't, that's fine. That's totally fine. I'm cool with it, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> I thank you so much for listening and I don't even want to stop, but I hope you listen again next time.